Welcome to Contemporary Communication with Dr. Jones. Today, I want to talk a little bit about performance studies and how that ties into the class Rhetoric and Social Change. During normal semesters at this point, we would be getting ready for a large project called an ethnodrama. It's one way of engaging with research and scholarship that's a little bit unique to the communication discipline. So today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what my intentions are for that type of assignment, and we'll talk a little bit about how um, I've made adjustments to the course for this semester since we'll be doing some remote teaching. Stay tuned. I want to keep it sort of simple today and see what I can uh, produce and, and uh, try to continue learning how to use my tools here. And uh, just a moment of self-reflection here on, on the, the tools. Um, one of the things that I'm discovering is that actually it's the, the nature of communication in this uh, format that's tripping me up some. Because I'm recognizing the uh, relative permanence of what it is that we are experiencing when we're working together in this remote learning format. I had an experience the other day when I was talking with a friend um, we had set up a time to meet together and talk about a book that I, I really liked. It's uh, by Carlo Rovelli, and the, the book is called uh, The Order of, oh no, the, the book, uh, it's his, his kind of first wildly successful book called Seven Brief Lessons in Physics. And um, I had ordered a copy of the book, uh, and I, I, I had it with me, and I had the physical copy of the book, and I had finished reading it, and I put it in my back pocket because it's a slim volume. I sat down in a chair, and when I got up and pulled the book out of my pocket, I realized that I'd, I'd broken the spine of the book by, by sitting on it. Um, it was frustrating to me. And it was frustrating to me in part because I recognized that the physical nature of the book is the thing that had broken. And I felt in that moment regret that I didn't have a more permanent version of the book. And this is where things become interesting. Because for me, conceptually, a more permanent version of the book would have been a version of the book on Kindle. And that's truly bizarre because the more permanent version of the book for me was the version of the book that I could access anywhere, any when. So having a physical copy of the book was less permanent because it was less pervasive. It was actually less accessible. And those of you who have suffered through my media culture and a digital age lectures on media ecology may have some inkling of uh, where this could go. But I'm going to pull back for some and just say I was frustrated by the impermanence of the permanent object. And I was frustrated by the way in which this thing broke and how a digital copy of the same would not break in the same way. A little bit later, I had a funnier experience where I was encountering a word I wasn't quite familiar with in the context. And I had to fight an urge to tap on the word for a definition. I had to fight the urge to tap on the word in a physical copy of a book so that it would open the definition library for me and define the word. And that's the kind of thing that I'm finding here is that that mentality, that approach, that understanding of the nature of the world as permanent versus non-permanent is shifting as we're moving into this remote learning environment. When I teach classes face-to-face, -face, it's possible for me to correct myself. It's possible for me to recall. That is, I say something, and then I can explain what I mean by what I have said. 
And it's that ability to revise in space with others that makes for a really fruitful and expansive communication environment. So one of the limitations that I am finding myself suffering from in this moment of remote learning is that anything that I say or anything that I do becomes substantial. It becomes more permanent by being converted to a digital medium which allows for instantaneous, simultaneous interaction. If you think about it in broad economic terms, or not economic terms really, but if you think about it in broad terms of financial security and financial technology, you're thinking about this um, in terms of uh, blockchain. The idea that the more socially something is construed, the more permanent it is and the more true it is. Now, if you've been taking COM 401 with me this semester, if you took that course with me in the past, then this should kind of key you into some conversations that we had about the nature of rhetoric of science, technology, and mathematics. When we talk about rhetoric in those, in those fields, one of the things that we asked about was the epistemological um, contribution that rhetoric makes to those disciplines. For example, if we're talking about rhetoric and epistemology in its relation to science, we could think about this question and we could say, well, is science itself socially constructed? That is, is the diffusion of knowledge what makes knowledge true? Is it that everyone can participate in this moment of understanding that leads to this kind of agreed upon truth value or facticity of an idea, a statement, an argument, an understanding? And this isn't to suggest a sort of uh, vague relativeness. In fact, if you've if you have taken this course and you've done these readings, you're aware that what we're really talking about here is what happens when you have a community of agreement, and then how do those agreements shift over time as that community changes or becomes more diffuse? Now, to try and steer this conversation back around to my stated goal and intention to talk about uh, rhetoric and performance and sort of how these two things come together in 401, this class on rhetoric and social change. The performance aspect of it that we normally do in the second part of the semester is really an attempt for you to engage with what we call rehearsal towards performance. One of the things about having the pedagogical views that I do, this understanding of andragogy that comes a little bit, is influenced for me at least by uh, Paulo Freire and uh, as well by um, Augusto Boal, um, who has this, uh, this idea of theater of the oppressed and forum theater, is that when we're doing a performance, um, when, we're, when we're doing a performance in life, there's a stage or a, a time at which we have rehearsed for that performance. And in this class, I try to make it more explicit that the classroom itself is that rehearsal for a later performance. Now, this isn't just true of my one particular class. This is, I think, true of any class you could possibly take. So think about it, for those of you who studied at LCC, think about it in terms of the 113 and 114 classes that you took. So you take classes in uh, rhetoric and writing and uh, academic writing, and then those classes aren't the performance themselves. They are rehearsal for future performance. So you rehearse in 113. You rehearse in 114, and then you perform, for example, in 491, which is the first part of the thesis class. So in my view, any class is designed to be a rehearsal space. And in COM 401, in Rhetoric and Social Change, we try to make that performance 
um, aspect of the classroom even more explicit by turning the class itself into a rehearsal room. And so what normally you would do is you would come into the space and you would move off into your groups and you would start designing a performance. And there are all sorts of tools that we would work through with that. We talk some about, um, we would talk some about, um, the, there's a book called, uh, well, I'm not going to go into that one. There's, <laughs> there's a book called uh, Games for Actors and Non-Actors. Um, there's a, a book on forum theater by Agasa Boal. There's The Rainbow of Desire. Uh, there's Theater of the Oppressed. So these are all Boal's works that are trying to build this kind of like, how do you do um, forum theater for us? This is ultimately what we would be doing. But then there are also books um, about uh, crafting a performance. So how do you go about the, the attempt to design a performance? Um, and this goes really beyond the idea of just writing a script and throwing it up on the stage uh, and tries to get into the idea of like, how do you work together with a group of people to design a performance? Now, for our class, um, what you would have been doing is something called an ethnodrama. So it's uh, ethnographic drama. So you're representing elements of, of uh, an autoethnographic text that you've been composing throughout the semester. If you're currently enrolled in the class, then we're really just going to move straight into that autoethnography. And there's some instructions for you up on the Moodle page, and we can talk about that more in the class uh, discussion forum itself. But the idea here is that your observations about the things around you are being brought into the rehearsal space of the class. And then with your classmates, you're engaging with these questions and you're saying, how do we want people to rehearse for the eventual performance of life? And how does this connect to um, the, the social change that we're ultimately trying to bring about? The rehearsal in the classroom space is an opportunity for you to play out interactions that you have observed or participated in. But because it's a rehearsal, you can go back and change things. So you can alter the blocking, that is where people and objects are oriented or staged um, in the performance space. You can alter the lines. So you said this, but what would happen if you said that? You can alter dynamics, um, not just the were you sitting or were you standing, but what's different if someone in a position of power says this versus someone who's not in a position of power? What's the difference if uh, someone says this versus if an animal says this? Now, that's where we're starting to get into something more specific to a particular topic, but if you think about it in terms of uh, relationships, for example, between pets and pet owners, one of the questions you might have is about the question of how loneliness is um, made uh, easier, adumbrated, through the introduction of uh, non-human companions. In other words, does having a cat help you feel better? And we could look at how some of the ways people interact with their cats as actors in space actually change the way that they live their lives. And then we could begin to engage questions of, for example, uh, the no pet policy that the campus currently has. It, I know this seems like an enormous stretch, but this is part of the way that ethnodramas are designed to work, is that you go from this really abstract sphere of what if, and then you turn that into a rehearsal with your colleagues in order to craft a performance that presents us with a real problem. And oftentimes in these ethnodramas, the idea is that you want to, you want to, in this particular type of ethnodrama, you want to present a problem that's so crystal clear that everyone who sees this performance sees the problem. And then the solution is not predetermined. In other words, your group comes up with a problem. 
and you find a way to present the problem and you find markers and checks to ensure the authenticity of the problem, but you don't propose a solution. You leave that to your audience. So in performance then, so you've done the rehearsal and the rehearsal is in the classroom. In the performance then, you're inviting others, community members, stakeholders, these words that get thrown around a lot that are actually really important for understanding the impact we have. These community stakeholders come in and have an opportunity to voice possible solutions. So you have the rehearsal for the performance. And the performance itself is where you begin to enact social change. Not only in terms of coming up with a plan, so it's not like a board meeting where everyone sits around the table and talks about this stuff. Instead, people become co-owners of the solution by having rehearsed it together on stage. Not just the rehearsal of the classroom, but also the rehearsal of the the staged performance. In that moment, the stakeholders are asked to enact solutions so that their performance on the stage there becomes its own rehearsal for changes that ripple throughout the entirety of their lives. These uh, types of performance have changed a lot of the ways that I see the world myself. Everything from performances about uh, poverty and and homelessness to performances about uh, practicum at LCC have changed the way I have thought about what I should be doing and what we could be doing. So this has been a rather long and winding discussion about one aspect of this one class, rhetoric and social change, and how performance kind of eked its way into this classroom setting and some of the ways that I see it all fitting together. I do hope that this conversation was at least a little bit enjoyable for you, and I'd love to hear more from you. Feel free to use the website to send me messages, and I'm going to pause here and just transition out to say thank you for listening. I'm really glad for an opportunity to engage with you. Sorry for the double ending on today's episode, but I got a little carried away with myself and forgot that I should uh, include some exit music. Again, I'm still trying to learn how to use all this technology, so I welcome your suggestions as well as your complaints. If there's anything you'd like me to cover, feel free to send me a message using the, the message tool on the Anchor Podcast app and website, and I'll do my best to include your uh, messages in future episodes where I can. If you have suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear me cover, if there's just something from a class that, oh man, it was on the syllabus and you wish that I had had a chance to go over it, or if you've had a class with me before and you have an old syllabus lying around and you're like, hey, I want to hear that again, feel free to let me know and I'll see what I can do. With that, it was great getting a chance to chat with you today and uh, I hope to hear from all of you in the not-too-distant future.